Welcome back to the KPL Podcast. I'm your host, Jagisha. Well, listeners, I have returning guest, Lisa Scottolini here to talk about her latest historical fiction, Loyalty. Welcome back, Lisa. I am so happy to speak with you. We get, we, we talk every book and it, it's just a wonderful, wonderful chat every time. Yes. And I'm so looking forward to talking to you about this because I watched some of your YouTube videos. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that. I mean, I'll explain to your listeners. Bottom line is I this book is set in Sicily and I wanted to kind of transport readers there. And so I said, well, you've got to get there yourself. I'd never been. And so I just went there and started just soaking in the atmosphere. And while I was, I thought, wait a minute, no one else is going to get here. So why don't you film it? And what we did was put 20 of those videos uh, on my website that I filmed and actually have a map. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's an interactive map that you can see on my website, scottalina.com, that will have all the locations in the book and the videos I took there and what I learned there and my photos, which I kind of like doing because I think, um, long story short, you know, I feel myself if I watch TV or something lately or read something, I instantly want to know what's true. I'm finding it's mm-hmm. like it's like being in school to get a little where you want to like, what's let me learn more about that. And so I think these videos are kind of a really nice companion volume, kind of a companion to the book itself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell us about the book. What is the book about? Well, it's about four characters who lived in Sicily at the rise of the mafia and as Sicily was becoming modern. And basically it's about how their lives collide against this real backdrop. It's such an unusual place. You know, I, I had I put a quote in the book that Goethe said, I think I'm pronouncing that right, where he said basically, if you you if you've been to Italy and haven't been to Sicily, you really haven't been to Italy because Sicily is the key to everything. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of true. It's it has this horrible history, although a colorful history of colonization and and over and over and over again because of where it's set in the Mediterranean and people just making law that benefits colonizers. And I wanted to understand the effects because as it happened, um, my studying that I took that did before I went there. And when I went there into Palermo, you know, you see what gave rise to the modern day mafia. Cause I mm-hmm. kind of wanted to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Um, basically also as an Italian American, I'm very proud of being American, but also proud of being Italian. I have a real immigrant history in my background and wanted to learn like, why, why there, why then? Mm-hmm. And so that was really fascinating to, as a backdrop to the novel and the lives of these characters who are really, um, I hope really, really interesting and a lot of kind of, just a lot of action in this book. I, I listened to the audiobook the other day. I was like, wow, there's a lot happening, which is what you want. I mean, I want that reaction. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, can we take a deeper dive into your four characters? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I I knew that I would have a character named, he, he ended up being named Franco Fiorante, and he ends up being really how the mafia was formed. So he's the first mafioso mm-hmm. in, in Sicily. And you learn the origin of the term in loyalty, which is that it means bold and brave and cool and daring. It doesn't mean the meaning it has now. Mm-hmm. And I started to learn that if you were a lemon grower, grower in Palermo, you know, you could, he has dreams of owning his own lemon grove, but law prevents him from owning a thing. It was still very futile. Only nobles could own land. So no matter how much money you could earn, you could never move up, unlike our country, which, you know, we hope we have equality of opportunity. We're striving to have more of it. 
But here you can actually dream of saving your money and owning a house. Well, that couldn't happen. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to grow a business and he couldn't do that either. So he starts to turn to crime to do that. And then what happens is I went to Palermo and he discovered that there was a guy, um, a real life secret organization of aristocrats. And they were called the Beati Pauli, the blessed of St. Paul. And because they were very men of faith, they wanted to do good in, in a city that was very corrupt where the law was made to benefit only the wealthy few. Even they were beneficiaries, but felt terrible about it. And so when the novel opens, there's a little boy who's kidnapped. There's a Franco has something to do with that. And he's taken to a madhouse. And then I said, well, this is so interesting because he's got to get taken out of it. Who will take him out? Not the police. Maybe this lawyer will try. And also I started to learn something about mental, the treatment of mental illness in the 1800s, which if you mm. can imagine, it's horrific. You know, the madhouse, which I went and visited and filmed. Oh my God, people who were depressed were put in with, locked in a room, mm -hmm. put in with people who were tubercular and syphilitic and had leprosy as well. And that was true until there was a change that came in the form of a man named Barrett Pisani. So then all of a sudden he enters in the novel. And then I visited a fishing village and I thought of a story of a single mother who would live there and what would happen to her. And then finally, the last character was a guy named Alfredo, because I learned as I traveled all over Sicily that during the Spanish Inquisition, Jews and Muslims were cast out on pain of death mm -hmm. and even tortured. And still that's the case in Sicily, that a land that had been home to lots of religions, the world's great religions, um, basically became only Christian and only Catholic. And so in a weird way, the Spanish Inquisition accomplished what the Nazis later could not. And I said, well, then you've got to have a Jewish character. And so all of these characters, the three men and the one woman are traveling all over Sicily and they meet and their lives collide in this really combustible way. And then the story proceeds from there. And that's kind of the backdrop to a story that's about family and love and justice. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I mean, they were all very fascinating. Just seeing it all and the way it just all pulled together was was incredible. Now, I sat and watched all the all of your uh, videos for on YouTube. And honestly, Sicily was so beautiful. Like the backdrop, your first video, you have that beautiful, like you're on the balcony and <laughs> such a beautiful city. Yeah, it's very different. I mean, I, for example, and the lemon groves of Palermo, which is where the mafia was born and where I spent a lot of time researching, is called the Concadora, the Golden Bowl. And you realize that Sicily's really dry. It was only irrigated because of Muslim rule. The Arabs set the, gave the irrigation system centuries prior that is still in use today. And so that enabled that whole area around Palermo to grow lemons. And it turns out that lemons, everybody discovers in the British Navy in particular, that they cure scurvy. And so lemons become more valuable than gold. Mm -hmm. And the crops have to be guarded. And then what happened is people like Franco guard the crops, but then they go, wait a minute, if I can't own a lemon grove myself, maybe I'll earn money by protecting the lemon grove crops from me. And so what becomes the protection, the first protection racket is born and it's all because of the lemons, which is really kind of fascinating. And you become to understand that crime is something that results from inequality of opportunity and not, you know, in the DNA of Sicilians. It's sort of mm -hmm. a very important lesson for me. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, as I always thought that uh, um, 
what am I trying to say? That the crime families were more modern. Like they were, you know, more recent in like the nine, you know, the 1900s, maybe 1950s. I didn't realize it went this far back. I didn't I know. And as I started the research, I worked backwards and I'm like, cause I'm thinking when, he, if you're going to write about that, when are you going to start this novel? And mm-hmm. you keep going back and back and back. And actually you realize that it happened in 1810 because, and it's so ironic, and I love that kind of thing, where there's an irony that in 1810, a law is enacted that for the first time allows nobles to sell portions of their lands because what was happening is because they couldn't sell it and they couldn't have jobs and they couldn't generate income, they couldn't afford the taxes. So it was in theory an egalitarian law, but because so many people had been oppressed for so long, they didn't have the money to buy it. Mm-hmm. And basically this law ends up well, then as soon as as soon as you can own land, all of a sudden you want to get the money right away to own land. And so these soon to be mafiosi turn that way. And in a way, the law that was supposed to work so well tur- turns to the bad. And also that the modern day mafiosi, frankly, sort of perpetrate a myth that they helped the underdog and they didn't at all. They oppressed the peasants the same way that the nobles did. They really were squeezed by both forces of good and forces of evil, which was really ironic and kind of heartbreaking, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I heard that loyalty wasn't the original title of the book. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I always try to think of the title. The original title was sacred because mm-hmm. and it resonated for me when I was there because there's so much, there's a lot of religiosity, but there's also so many sacred, there's a lot of sacred articles when you walk around mm-hmm. the Roman Catholicism is very evident. There's a lot of, there's a lot of it. And also in its more primitive forms, like these things called ex voti, which are hammered depictions of like feet and heads and arms. And if you break an arm, you actually buy this little hammered silver arm and you go leave it in the church and pray for intercession and healing on your arm. And I, so it was really resonant for me, but honestly, it's so funny that you bring it up because um. When I got it back and they put it on the cover, it just looked funny. Mm-hmm. Sacred words, I, I love words. Probably why I'm in this job, you maybe too. Yeah. And you look at the word sacred and you go, sa cred. What is that even, like it looks bad. It just didn't look right. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, what else resonates? Because titles really matter to me. And I thought, well, loyalty resonates because the book ends up being an exploration of how loyalty can be a good thing. I regard myself as loyal. I but loyalty can also be a bad thing. Blind loyalty is a bad thing and certainly has resonance for the mafia. And in a way, everybody in this book is loyal to something, whether to good or ill. Mm-hmm. And I like that because it gives meaning to our lives, but we have to figure out you know, where to set a boundary on it. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Definitely. And it's interesting because that also brings in the other sort of loyalty with family loyalty to faith because those are some of the main themes in the book too right right and loyalty to country too i mean Mm -hmm. you know everyone everyone has views of what's patriotic what's good for sicily um gaetano who's the kind of the nobleman he's a lawyer who is fighting for good you know it's an aspect of his religious faith because saint paul teaches the common good and i kind of like that because apart from religion it's good to have someone who believes in the common good and to see him enact it. You know, I learned a lot about this religion. I mean, I'm a kind of a lapsed Catholic and I, and I'm probably agnostic, honestly. And I had a, 
But when I read the teaching of St. Paul, there's one thing that stuck out to me, he said, do every act with love. And I thought that's a good credo to live by. It's a high credo because not every act, you know, like I watch people push in front of each other. I was just in the grocery store and I watched this guy kind of shove this lady out of the way. And I was like, you know, she's an older woman that wasn't very nice. Just not just do the common good, do every act with love. And that's what drives people like Gaetano. And I think they are among us and it's something to aspire to in any event. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's fascinating because he's, I mean, he, he wants to find this boy so badly and he, he forgets about the, his family though, his family, his wife. Right. And his wife says that to him and we won't give it away, but then, you know, it, it makes you, I think what happens in that family shows you that the harm that comes to someone else can be the harm that befalls you. And so, you know, it's all about empathy really. And I love that as a theme because I think readers have a lot of empathy. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I always have wondered if readers, chicken and the egg question, like do readers read a lot because they have empathy or do we develop? I know that we develop it because we read a lot because you're in someone else's mind and heart and life for like 350 pages. And so you it opens your heart and your arms to the world entire. Mm-hmm. I kind of love that. So, you know, even a guy like Alfredo, who's who's hiding his Jewishness. And I wanted to sort of illustrate what that's like to be afraid to be who you are on pain of death. And that try to bring home that kind of discrimination and how bad it is. And it's sort of heartbreaking that it's done under color of law. Or there's Mafalda, who's the woman who's a single mom. I'm a single mom. So I kind of wanted to illustrate that a little because I feel like there's a lot of us. And I think ultimately so many women have more strength than they knew they had. So she's cast out from her village. At some point I realized all four of these characters are outcasts. I didn't plan it that way, but in an island that's really large at a time when it's hard to get from one to the other, that's the cool thing about the historical part. That, you know, what's going on in Palermo isn't known at the other side of the island. And so when you have people traveling to get them close together, there has to be a really good reason. There was a part when I was writing it, because I don't wear with an outline that I was like, oh my God, how are they going to get together? And then I thought, this is very, this is actually going to work. Mm-hmm. I thank God when it does. Like, I'm like, okay, maybe I do believe in God because <laughs> somebody was helping me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's the fascinating thing about being a writer is that you can, the way you got to like come up with these things, make it real and plausible, but also you got to bring them together. <laughs> so right, I, you gotta, and you got to feel it. You got to feel it to make it real. In a way, you kind of live in a little spell. Mm-hmm. I do think that's true. It sounds weird, but because for me, you're just trying to figure out what would actually happen next. And when you have four characters with distinct personalities, and what would they do? Mm-hmm. And they reveal themselves to you at the same time as they reveal themselves to the reader, which is kind of kind of great. And I honestly think that my anxiety about what's going to happen next feeds into the book. Like there's a little part of me because if it wouldn't be a page turner if I knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I'm, in, I'm, we're both there together. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you're not excited about what's going to happen next, then right. you can't, it doesn't come through. Right. Right. I always think that if I had it planned out and this is just me, I'd be filling in the blanks and be like literary mad libs. You go, she crossed the room and she ate a blank. 
And you know what? I don't want to fill in blanks for my life. This is my life's work. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So now you mentioned this earlier, the, and I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong, Beatty Pauli? Yeah, ba- Beatty Pauli. Beatty Pauli. So do they really exist or do they still exist? They don't still exist, but they did really exist. Mm-hmm. And it was great to do the research on them because there's very little of it, but I actually visited the church where they used to meet. I mean, there's the little, the Colini, I think the little street it's called right next to it is, is named for them. And it is an actual church and you can go underneath and see, you know, how they got underneath. Cause a lot of these churches have undergrounds that were meeting places or special private chapels. And so they did exist. Uh, later, the mafia claimed that they were the original. They made them like Robin Hoods and the mafia would claim they were the original, but they weren't, they were not, oh, you know? Okay. Yeah. They wanted to romanticize the mob, but the truth is I don't want to do that. The weight of, historical authority, and I consulted historians about this, is that mm-hmm. the Beati Pali existed and did not later morph into the mob. They were trying to combat criminality mm-hmm. and did so at personal sacrifice. Kidnapping was really rampant then. It was a way for people to get money from rich people. And the kidnapping wasn't like now where you see on TV, you know, they would hold children for two and three and four years and send back body parts. That's really true. Wow. And the parents wouldn't resort to the police because the police were useless and corrupt. Some people, as they believed in the book, or believed that the police were in league with the with the um, kidnappers. Mm-hmm. And also, if you told somebody that they might kill your kids, so it's really horrific. I really wanted to, you know, kind of explore that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, everything that Dante goes through is uh, <laughs> poor <I bet>. kid. <laughs> Poor kid. <laughs> we won't give anything away except yeah. that I am a specialist in happy ending. So <laughs> I never, I want, I like the, I, I don't plan it this way, but I like that we all have hardship in our lives and that a story of hardship can lead you through it. You know, mm-hmm. like Churchill said, when you're going through hell, the only way out is through. That's true. You have to keep going. And God knows we all have coming out of COVID or we see it or we experience hard times and we just keep going. And that ends up being a survivor story, I think. Yeah, definitely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So last question, uh, what do readers take away from your book? Well, I hope they're entertained because I think it really, there's entertainment in it. And I hope they feel transported to Sicily and then can smell the lemons like I did and taste the food because it's so, I, I love that feeling. And I think historical fiction gives you an opportunity to do that for people, like truly escape. Mm-hmm. And I hope they take that uplifting lesson away too, because I do think struggle doesn't, it comes and goes in life. Maybe I'm mm-hmm. speaking as someone old now. And that there is a way through it if you just persevere and have faith. And I think I kind of proved it to myself in this book. So mm-hmm. I hope they take that stuff away. That's what Very books nice. are for, isn't it? isn't it? Oh, yes, absolutely. And well, I'm looking forward to one of these days, I'm going to make it out to Italy. I really want to go to Italy and also Sicily. And food is definitely the top <laughs> of my list. for <laughs> Right. Well, I hope I make it out to see you in person because I always love speaking with you. These questions are always so thoughtful and you're you're the best. Thank you. Thank you for this. Take care of this wonderful library for me. That's our show this week. Thank you for joining us. Join us next week when we have author Nick Medina 
talking about his latest novel, Sisters of the Lost Nation. I'm going to end with a quote by Winston Churchill. The pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty. Until next time.